Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready, get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. I am sitting here enjoying some time in my office. It's been a hectic morning. I'm recording here on Sunday. What a beautiful weekend in Indianapolis. Got the shorts out. Had the chalk line shorts out at Record Store Day. Little Bret Hart, Jim the Anvil Nyhart. Got some comments, got some looks. Felt cool rocking those uh, shorts out and about. I was wearing the joggers on first pass down uh, Virginia Avenue and it was uh, too hot for the joggers. You know, when you reach that point where you finally throw your hands up and say, I, I can't live like this anymore. I got to bust out the shorts. That's what it was like in Indy. It was crazy. It hit 80 degrees on Saturday. Shout out Record Store Day. I, I had so much fun. I support um, local record stores any way I can all year round. But you know, to have a day dedicated to buying records, uh, supporting artists, new releases, Live music playing, man, it was a good weekend here and it felt alive. I felt alive and I'm feeling alive as I record this. I was doing yard work this morning, taking care of tasks around the house, trying to be a good husband and dad. The baby is down. So I said, you know what? Now is a good time to record stacking slabs. And that's what we're going to do today. So there is a lot of topics we are ending this episode where I asked the audience, I said, hey, I don't know why I'm thinking about this, but I'm just curious. Um, what is your favorite year of collecting? So take all the sports, take all the products, take everything together. What do you think that GOAT year is? Um, I have not looked at the responses. I got some DMs. I got people responding to this story. Um, and I'm just going to read them out, kind of go through them for the first time at the end of this episode. There's a lot of other topics that are on my mind. Um, so let's just jump right freaking into it, okay? So I want to start here by saying on a walk, and I was thinking about the hobby, thinking about its place in my life. And I'm sure I'm like many of you out there that are uh, leading a busy life full of professional goals, full of making sure you're present at home. Being, you know, good husband, good dad, good wife, you know, all those things. And I was thinking about the time spent just in my life outside of the hobby. And it's the majority, right? It's I'm working constantly, taking care of family, doing all those tasks around ha the house. But I always look forward to the moment where it's I feel calm, I jump on the couch, I grab my phone. And I do the hobby thing. You know what I'm talking about. It's the, the, the scrolling, the, the DMing, the searching, all of those things. And I think that opportunity that the hobby presents to me, and I'm sure it's similar to all of you, to kind of get my mind out of everything that is I'm focused on and all my responsibilities in life just for a little bit, is um, it's incredible. It's therapeutic. It uh, hits these emotions for me. It's 
I'm on an exploration all, always, and it, I never know where I'm going to end up. I do have focus, but the fact that I can just spend some time and it's like I'm a kid again, but I've got this like mini computer that's like can take me anywhere I want is uh, super uh, powerful. And I think I'm going to just reiterate this, and I know I talk about this a lot, but the time I have in the hobby on a day-to-day basis is I, I protect it and it's sacred. And in that time, I want it to be a positive experience. And I'll tell you what, when I am focused on my goals in the hobby and pursuit and communicating with others and on a mission, I don't really have time for the drama, for the mainstream stuff that's going to end up pissing me off. So as I've become a hobby veteran, I've done, gotten pretty accustomed to kind of drowning out everything else and building focus around that time and why I'm here. And the more I connect with the collector community and people who are doing the same thing and potentially are in similar spots in their life, the more satisfying it gets for me. So remember and never forget it. And I say this a lot, but just want to remind everyone. The hobby is an escape. It is an escape for most people. And I had an outstanding week in the hobby. Okay. I interacted with a ton of people on that best year question, just sourcing people on uh, where I can find cards. You know what I mean? Where you're, you go searching for accounts, people you know, and you're, you're on a path and you, you ask questions and investigate. And I think that's one thing just I would say would be a skill in the hobby that you can never lose sight of. And that's just being an investigator. And I'm not talking about like being an investigator and getting in other people's business and like trying to pull up a bunch of drama and stuff. I'm being an, talking about being an investigator on the pursuit and search for where cards are at. Okay. Because cards I'm looking for, I don't necessarily see. And so I have to ask. And so I put on my investigator hat and ask people questions, bought some cards, sold some cards, got a return from PSA, plotting my next moves. It's this continual cycle and I love it. And I think, I feel like I've got a system going on with the submitting of cards, the cards coming in, me deciding what I want to keep, what do I want to sell, and then go move on to the next one. So I'm going to talk a little bit about some of these, uh, this outstanding week I had and the fun I had. And just want to remind all of you, like, this is fun. This is a lot of fun. And the more you lean into the pursuit and the connection, pursuit of cards, the pursuit of new cards that make you happy, the connection with the community. And I'll also throw this one in because this one's underrated. And this one, I think, doesn't get talked about enough, but that is the time spent with your current PC, okay? those moments where you open up the box and you're looking through the cards and you're remembering the acquisition and you're remembering why you bought them and you're remember it's triggering memories it's just all of those things and that's what makes this hobby unstoppable okay and the people who are out there and that are doing it for themselves while also finding opportunities to give back to the community because they want it to grow are the ones that make this hobby go around. And that's probably you if you're listening to the Stacking Slaps podcast. So there's a lot going on and I'm fired up, but how about 
the NBA playoffs, huh? Been pretty exciting. I feel like we typically get some drama in the first round, and there's feeling like some drama is happening right now. I will say, and this by the time this goes live, this will be it'll seem like months ago that this happened. But I was sitting there watching the um, Joel Embiid game winner, if you will, and. That's a big shot, I know. And what it's a huge shot and a huge moment and that was such a fun game and I'm sorry Raptors fan it was Raptors fans it wasn't fun for you. But man that was just great. And then I made the mistake of turning to social media and what is all the conversation about? It's all the conversation about because that moment happened why Embiid should be the MVP and yada yada yada. And I'm not here to like say, you know, this guy should be MVP or this guy shouldn't be MVP. I just want people to like think about like, okay, the, the MVP, it's, it's already done. Like it's about the regular season. It's not about the playoffs. We, we need to be more focused on what these awards are, are for and what they're about. And I know Embiid apologists are out there like campaigning around the MVP vote and why he should be the MVP. And that's fine. And we get that. Uh, but at the, when that happened, it, it's always like instead of like talking about how great of a player he is and in that moment, it was like all of a sudden the conversation turned to the campaign and why he should be the MVP and all this stuff and the bickering and all that. It's like, let's just freaking enjoy it. OK, well, you know what I'm enjoying? I'm enjoying watching the Boston Celtics play basketball. OK, I this team has been organized and at it for quite some time. And I think it's been a progression and there's it's steady progress. And when you've got a core group of players that have been around each other um, while adding new pieces, veteran pieces, like you're going to make some noise. And so I think, you know, I think, and let's see here, as I'm recording this, the, the Celtics are up 3-0, okay? And they play Monday night. For game four, the series could be over by the time this drops. But I'll just say this, man. Jason Tatum's a wonderful player. He's a wonderful player. And he's one of those guys in the hobby that, you know, he's obviously, his cards are expensive and people know he's good. But it's, I don't know, he doesn't get the same oomph as maybe some of the other younger talent. And I don't know what that reason is, but he is someone that, I certainly admire, and I, I really enjoy watching him play basketball. I enjoy his uh, demeanor. I enjoy his leadership, um, and that Celtics team just has it going on right now. I'm just I'm enjoying watching them, and they were. It, there was a point in the season where it was almost just like, is this? Do we hang this up? And then all of a sudden, they're just the, one of the top teams of the East, um, and that's just it's been exciting. Along with couple Western Conference series, the Dallas-Utah series, and the Memphis-Minnesota series have just been a blast of, it's a battle. It doesn't feel like a round, round, those are round one series. It feels like they're a little later. There's storylines, intensity, there's drama. Man, those it's good basketball. And I just think, I, I think about how many great players are in the NBA. And I think that's that's amazing, and there will always be new players coming in, and there will always be players to collect. But right now, we're in a special period in the NBA where there's so many guys that are stars and they're productive. And I feel like you flash forward ten years, twenty years from now, some of these guys like buying their cards now 
it's going to, it's, if you have confidence and you believe in the hobby, like taking ownership of some of these guys and your favorite players, like it's really fun to collect. And so there has been moments of I've been dialed in and watching these NBA games where I've said to myself, is there like a current guy that I should be, should I be getting into this? And the more and more I think about it, I'm, I'm moving towards that direction of, you know what, like, Maybe it's time, and maybe it's time is not now, right? It's not probably a great time to go collect your favorite NBA player who's in the playoffs who you know, might be up 3-0. Probably not a good time, but I'm having some moments where it's like once the season is over, like let me revisit uh, the NBA, identify player, and maybe start a little PC. The, on the other side, it's draft week in the NFL, and I've been a complete degenerate. Okay, I've been a complete degenerate consuming draft coverage, trying to figure out what the Colts are going to do. Um, and it, But it's been fun. Like I, I really enjoy this time of the year. I enjoy the uh, just how optimistic a majority of people are and how, my, myself included, where it's like, okay, you made some moves in this offseason and there is a draft on the other side where you can help build your team. And there's just so many... Um, it's it's an interesting draft, and it's maybe not the quarterbacks that flash, um, but there's some receivers and there's some ends. There's a lot of talent there, so I'm trying to figure out where certain players are slotted. And I don't know. I probably be a run of receivers. Lord knows the Colts. That's a gap. Hoping there's not a big run in the the first round because that might mean uh, limitations there in the second round. But I think there's a ton of good players, and I'm ex- I know if you're. If, I'm like you. You're you're getting ready on Thursday to watch that first round. Even though the Colts don't have a pick, I'll be glued in, locked in, and try to figure out what my team has by the end of this weekend and where we'll go moving forward. The draft, it's really fun. I feel like the media that I'm consuming has made the NFL feel like it has been a year-round sport and that it's never stopping. And so that's fun. I feel like it's, it's causing a positive impact in the hobby and football cards with the way the market is going, the excitement, the posting, people are just thrilled to be collecting football cards right now. And it's not a lot of, it's not just about like, okay, I'm going to go collect, you know, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, all these like popular guys, but it's a lot of, I'm collecting older players that I believe in. And I'm going to flash these cards on my Instagram feed and talk about why these players mean something to me. And I think, that is significant. And speaking of older players, products, and sets, I had a lot of really good feedback on the 2002 Finest uh, episode talking through that. And I'm not sure this has been paid yet, but I'm going to say the Ed Reed card, the rookie card, X-Fractor out of 20, potentially one of his best cards ever. Waiting to see if this gets paid. So, But I'll say... This thing sold for almost two grand, which is amazing to see. Back to what I was saying, man. He's a guy that has changed the way that I've seen football. And just because he played safety, that's a big price. Almost two grand for a safety. And I don't think it should be abnormal. I think it should be normal. I think it should be normal because Ed Reed's one of the best football players I've ever seen. Okay? So, like, when you... We're so in this mindset of collect quarterbacks, collect quarterbacks, collect quarterbacks, and I, I collect quarterbacks, okay? I get it. But shouldn't it reach this certain point when you're talking about a Hall of Fame career? Doesn't like the position that you are, like 
You shouldn't be scared to go buy a wide receiver or a running back or a safety. Just if they're in the hall, if they're in the hall of fame, like their legacy is cemented. So I think that's uh, the hall of fame collector is uh, a, a, a way and a, our operating principles. And think about this. Like if you woke up and you were like, I'm going to collect football cards today. I don't have any football cards, but I love football. I'm going to collect football cards. What is a probably more viable, more affordable route, which is crazy. A more viable and affordable route would be, and this is counter to what the mainstream is telling you, a more affordable and viable route would be to say, I'm going to collect Hall of Fame football players, and I'm not going to collect current active quarterbacks. That's kind of wild, isn't it? Okay, so you can probably have a safer, less risky time with going, picking off guys' cards. And I'm not talking about just like base cards, or I'm talking about numbered phenomenal cards from phenomenal sets. And that would be less expensive than it would be to go buy, you know, the Tua Cracked Ice rookie ticket. Okay, that's just an example. And I think that is interesting. Okay. And that doesn't make any sense to me. And because you would, you would dream if you were a Tua collector that he would have the seat, uh, type of career that would put him in Canton. So why do we pay prices of like they're already in the Hall of Fame, like they've already won MVP, like they've already won the Super Bowl? And again, I'm just using Tua as an example. He's just the first to mind. It's because we're obsessed with potential. We're obsessed with winning big in the hobby. And this is something that you, you hear from auction houses. You hear from um, everyone with a YouTube channel, and that's what they talk about. And it's because what they talk about, it's like, okay, well, these should be the most expensive cards. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. And it, it's taken me a while to investigate and explore this. And I'm more satisfied going down the Hall of Fame route than I would be in taking the risk of going and buying your next big quarterback prospect and i think based on the feedback that i got on this finest episode that segmentation of our hobby is critical and i've, I've had tons of conversations about this okay so one of the things that we hear a lot about is we need to grow this hobby okay we need to grow the hobby and when people say growth they think of quantity okay and they think of we need to bring more people in my opinion on this it doesn't need to be more drake stuff to get people in because people that come in because of a TMZ story are going to end up leaving because they're going to do something stupid like spending overspending via um, breaks and wanting to win big or going and buying a card that the guy on the YouTube channel said is the hot card right now. That's not growth. Okay. I mean, I'm in the growth business in my professional life. And that, that's not how you grow, especially when you're taking shiny objects and presenting them to new audiences and getting them to come in, okay? You're not being mindful of education, okay? You're not being mindful of getting those people to move and navigate through the hobby in a way that's sustainable. And I think servicing the people who have passion for the hobby and who are already here is where the focus should be. I'm not saying close the gates for new people to enter. I'm just saying, if you want to grow the hobby, focus on the people who are making it go around, okay? If you service the people through community, connections, and education, 
that is how you grow the hobby to be an unstoppable super force. I'm o- I'm open to to new and expansion and new people coming in. I've seen this thing get twisted in that we lose sight of taking care of the parent who's working their ass off to hustle for their family and when their responsibilities are over, they turn to their Instagram accounts, eBay, auction houses and card bunnies buddies to gain affinity. Those are the people their time they they're dedicating their time to the hobby when they have it why aren't we why aren't we building for these people why aren't we creating content for people why aren't we servicing these people because the base is there and if you take the base and you, you continue to satisfy them with the right people with content with getting them connected to the right people people are going to want to be there longer. People are going to want to spend more. And that ripple effect brings in the right people where they're bringing in their friends and they're telling their friends how great of a time they're having. And they're letting their friends, giving their friends some rope and then course correcting them when they have mistakes or run through obstacles. We've all done that. We've all done that with new our buddies coming in. It's like, that's how you grow the hobby. You don't grow the hobby through a bunch of gimmicks. Okay. So I'm sick of, sick of hearing that. I am. And there's ways to do things. And this is something when we're talking about growth and we're talking about the hobby, I will be exploring with people that come on the show. I'm going to be talking about it more. I'm going to be sharing my thoughts on this program because I'm just sick of these mainstream grow the hobby narratives that get thrown out. However, we're so excited a month ago when we've got Drake happening. Like, how's the growth going? What happened to the people he brought in? I don't know. Those are the questions I have. So when I think about growth, I'm thinking about the people listening to this show and how these people are not only being satisfied through their experience in the hobby, but can be serviced and satisfied enough to spend more time, share more knowledge, and buy some more damn cards that make you happy. Speaking of collecting, it's funny how it kind of gets you sometime in an area where you're not expecting it, and then all of a sudden you're just on this rampage. And I'm on one of these rampages now, okay? (laughs) I am on a freaking mission. All right. So I was having this moment where I was thinking about my life during the pandemic, 2020. And I was thinking about just, it it was a struggle a little bit, okay? So we were in the pandemic trying to figure this stuff out. The time my wife and I were having some fertility issues, that's just some real talk. Um, On the other side of it, we've got a beautiful baby daughter and just couldn't be more happy. But the only really thing that I had at this point that was making me happy and was satisfying me was the Colts, okay? It was, I look, even though no one was in the stadiums, I was looking forward to the Colts every year or every Sunday, mostly because we were making progress as a team and we had a new quarterback. And yeah, the, the quarterback was a one-year stint, but man, I'll tell you what, in one year's time, I'm not sure a player has ever flipped the script for me like Philip Rivers. So he was the f- number one heel, okay? The number one heel I had. Maybe not number one. You could probably throw Brady in there, but one of them. I mean, Indianapolis Colts fans couldn't stand Rivers for a myriad of reasons, and I won't even get into all the stories. But now you have this heel coming into our territory, the Colts, and all of a sudden is our quarterback. It took Little time for me to recognize how special of a player this guy was. Took me little time to realize how big of a competitor he was. Took me little time to realize that 
He has almost every quality you could want in a starting quarterback from leadership to competitiveness to natural ability to being overprepared that I com- I completely flipped and fell in love with Philip Rivers as a football player. So the 2020 season didn't quite end the way we wanted it to. Damn, we gave the Bills a good game in the playoffs, but let it go. And then Philip Rivers left. However, based on life circumstances and where I was in that moment in life and what a guy like Philip Rivers, who I believe should be in the Hall of Fame, gave to me as a fan is special. And so I was flipping through my uh, cards, just spending time, like I mentioned on the, the front of this episode, spending time with my cards. And I pulled two cards up. One was the 2020 Gold Prism, Philip Rivers in Colts gear. And I also had a 2018 gold prism, Philip Rivers. That was a, I'm going to shout out, uh, that's the old price, Rob, for that. So I had these two gold prisms and it's triggering all these moments and these memories. And all of a sudden I said, you know what? Like Rivers has to have a gold prism in each of these prism years. Would it be fun to try to go collect the run of gold prisms from Philip Rivers? Yeah, that sounds like fun. So then my col- the investigation took over and I began to be just collector mode. So what did I do? I, I went to my <laughs> charger friends, people who I know like the chargers or collected the chargers. I'm one of those guys. I went to my buddy Sierra at California card collector and I just messaged him. Hey dude, do you have any gold prism rivers cards? And he said, as a matter of fact, I do. I've got the 2015. And if you remember I mentioned the Matt Ryan 2015 that I also bought from Sierra Gold Prism. And before this, I had a Luck 2015 Gold Prism. I said, Sierra, hey, man, let's come up with a price. Let's figure this out if you're willing to sell it. And he was. He said, okay, this is going to your collection. I like what you're doing. And so he gave me a price based off you know, some comp. And it was, it was no negotiation. It was, I want this card. So my pursuit it's significant, right? Because you'd say, okay, gold prisms are significant cards. But the chase of what I'm doing is significant to me based on my connection with Philip Rivers and what had transpired um, during that, that year in my life as, as he was my quarterback. So I just wanted to call that out. It's a story of collecting. Didn't expect this, but now it's happening. So my call to action to you, friends. <laughs> and I don't normally do this, but I'm going to. If you've got 80 gold prism Philip Rivers cards or know where I can find them. I don't need 2020. I don't need 2018. I don't need 2015. And I know there's, there's an expensive one, uh, I think on PWCC. I'm not sure if I'm there yet on that price, but let me know. Hit me up at stacking slabs across all those social channels. I got a PSA return this week and this is what I love. Okay. So I love that. I bought a bunch of cards over the last couple years wrestling cards they went up in value it's crazy it's just the way it goes but i've been on this system of sending in cards and the, the psa returns are coming back at a at a clip and i i was i was really hot for a while as gym and everything i got this sub back and i got some gems but i got a lot of nines which is fine but i spent a thousand bucks to get 20 cards up and i sold two cards out of that already within a day of getting the sub back and I've already got the sub covered. So I just want to say like having that system in place where sending in 20 cards, 
selling a couple. It's it's for me. It's happening, and it's um, I put the live up of the sub reveal. It's on my Instagram account. Count. Go check that out. Most of these stuff is most of the stuff is stuff I'm just keeping in my PC. But I just love the process and going through it. I want to thank Armando Cards of Cascadia. Hopefully you enjoyed that episode. I have Chris from Card Ladder on the show this week. We are going to be talking about, uh, well, first of all, he had a big boy purchase. Have heard on the crossover. We're going to talk about that. But we're going to be talking about this idea of content, segmentation, servicing the collector. We're going to get into that. I'm excited to have him back on. It's been a while. Also want to say Randy Orton week. It was Orton week this week. The Viper, the legend killer, 20 years in the WWE, which is insane. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I posted out of that sub, I got 2021 red out of five refractor PSA 10. I hit that. I love the Viper. I want to shout out summertime cards. Fun op. Good dude. The fact that I was helping him out with a deal on wrestling stuff and he ended up just out of nowhere like an RKO, but a diamond cutter, sending me a 2014 Diamond Dallas Page Gold Prism, just just as a thank you. Love that. Love love when you don't ask for something, but someone appreciates what you do and says, here you go, dude, I appreciate it. So thank you, Summertime. Also want to shout out the captain and his Brady top 10s. He had one this past week, and you don't need to collect Tom Brady card to appreciate this. I just love the facilitation of conversation. I love bringing in other collectors to show off their stuff and tell stories. That's what it's all about. It is what it's all about. So go check out his stuff. He's going to have a Manning one plan. I'm going to be a part of that, talking about Manning stuff. But speaking of Manning, I got a, I got a couple Mannings. One of them I'm holding in my hand right now. And the card I have is the 1998 Flair Showcase Peyton Manning Legacy Collection Row 2. I bought this card raw on eBay because the price was so good. And when I looked at the card, I said, you know what? This isn't going to gem. It's probably not going to get a nine. But you know what? I'm going to buy this card because of the price. And I believe that if I can get an eight on this card, I'll be very, very satisfied. And this card came back and it came back a PSA 8. And so I'm thrilled to own one of these cards. I've been an admirer of looking at Flair Showcase across all sports for quite some time. And I think the Flair Showcase Legacy Collection is really a connector product. I believe it whether it's football, basketball, baseball, doesn't matter. These cards are relevant because of I th- there's a lot of things that you like the imagery, right? This the scarcity but it it doesn't matter what sport it is, whether it's the Griffey card, whether it's the Kobe cards, whether it's the Manning cards, like people admire and appreciate Flair Showcase Legacy Collection. So I want to talk a little bit about this. I remember as a kid saving up money and going, and when Flair was launched, going, buying, like it was the most expensive kind of product, I believe in my hobby store at the time, but just remember saving up money and buying them in the little boxes and ripping hobbies. And just how much nostalgia I had during that time. And then when the when Flair Showcase came out, I just remember like my mind being like, this is something that's special. Okay. And I think part of that reason is, and I re- remembered it at the time going to my hobby shop and looking at it, but I had to look this up. And I, I found it. I found an old hobby box online. And there was a warning on the the 97 Flair Showcase 
uh, box that said, do not buy this product unless you're a serious collector looking for a challenge. And I think that is special. And it is. It's a complicated, complex product. And if you're just focusing in, I'm, I'm going to talk about the the football 98, but let's start here with the kind of just the 97 showcase. And you think about that era, you know, you're, you're, you're chasing Jordan, right? You're chasing 96, 97, you're chasing Jordan, you're chasing Kobe, Iverson, Ray Allen, all the stars from back then. The design of the product was 90 cards, but there was three different versions of those 90 cards, which totaled 270 cards, okay? Then there was a row zero, which I believe is the most rare, row one and row two. And the row two is, the, I think, the true base set style. Now, within each of these rows, there's like a showtime, a showpiece, and showstopper. Then there's the legacy collection, okay, in each of the rows. In the legacy collection, in the original basketball a showcase set is serial number to 150. Now, I was doing some research on this as before I hit record, and according to this, and some basketball apologists might, of course, correct me, but it said this was the first serial numbered NBA card which makes these cards significant. But you see these cards, whether it's the Kobe, George, you know, whoever it is, you see them across um, social feeds. And they stop you in your tracks. And they stop you in your tracks because you there's um, so co- some cohesion with, doesn't matter the year, doesn't matter the row, there's just something different about the showcase style and the presentation, which I enjoy, especially now that I own one. And I own a piece of the legacy collection. So the significance, I think, started kind of with basketball. And then you flash forward to football in 98, you got Peyton Manning. And so as a Peyton Manning collector, I see these across everywhere I go. And it's always been something I've wanted, but I just never got around to it. And now that I have one, I'm feeling a lot of nostalgia. And of course, because I have row two um, and because it's, there's a qualifier of a rookie and a qualifier of a serial number. Like I'm going to want to go pursue all the others. That's just the way it goes right now with the 98 showcase, there's four, four rows. So there's four different opportunities to get a legacy collection, serial number and Manning. And if you go look at them, you can pick your favorite. They're all, they all look good to me, but I just think that's fun. And I think, when I think about products and I think about sports and think about what is something that kind of connects collectors together, that even if you don't collect baseball and you saw the Griffey, even if you don't collect football and you saw the Manning, or even if you don't collect basketball and you saw the Kobe or the Jordan, those are probably going to stop you in your tracks and you're going to say, man, that the teal on that card, oh man, the serial number, oh, the imagery, like you could... It just it takes your head in certain places, and so I just love it. I, I just wanted to call out Showcase um, as I'm thinking about it and just thinking about older products that make me feel something. That is certainly one, and I promise this, and I want to end the episode by talking about, I asked the question, I asked the question, what is your favorite year to collect ever? And I'm going to run through some of these responses. Let's get to it. So, Kevin Cormier says, per your question, I love 2001. You had Ichiro and Pujols, Vic before he was known to kill dogs. (laughs) Relic cards were still desirable, and we had Chrome and Finest, but weren't paralleled to death yet. 
plus Fleer, Donruss, Upper Deck were all viable, making great stuff. Mostly 90s basketball cards. 1997 is perfect. Rare inserts with pack odds. The first year with a multitude of serial numbered parallels after credentials. Got the party started in 96. Generally, sets have only one of two parallels like Metal Universe, Finest Embossed, Skybox Premium, Skybox Z-Force. MJ's final season with the Bulls, 90s Hall of Famers overlapping with the start of Kobe Duncan generations. So the checklists are loaded, man. That's, that's I can feel the passion in that one. Okay. So Benor 14 underscore sports cards, 2011. If Panini didn't take the year off, baseball, Trout, Freeman, football, Tops, Chrome, Crystal, Atomics, and Cam and Kaepernick had a pretty great run of hobby love at the time. Basketball class was amazing too. But 2018 is the obvious answer. Baseball had Acuna, Soto, Otani. Football had Josh Allen, Lamar. Basketball had Luca Trey. Really can't beat it. How about these responses, man? This is uh, okay. So I'm 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 navigating. These were like those were DMs. People who had a lot. I love the just. I opened it up. I said, if you got more to say, like DM me about this. So now I'm I'm pulling up the responses here. Carlton cards. I like 97 plus 2002. No monster rookies in either class minus Tim Duncan, but amazing sets and vets. This girl collects 2020 for football. Midlow cards, 2018. 90s basketball cards, 96. Process through 1957. How about that? Cards of B-Tracks, 2012. Football rookie class was insane. Andrew Luck, shout out. Plus, that was the dual. T- that was about the time for dual rookie class of basketball. Good call. I love that little uh, hobby. Uh, hobby education there. Bear down, boiler up. Two thousand three exquisite debut. LeBron rookie class tops and upper deck still had NBA and NFL products. Good call. E. E. Redman six four four eight nineteen oh nine. Look at these vintage shoutouts. Kelly cards. 2018, there's another one. Soto, Acuna, Otani, Luca, Trey, Josh Allen, Lamar. Man, that's like double the double up on 2018. A sports card cartel, hockey, 1971 to 72, 84, 85, 90, 91, 2016, 2017. A lot of call outs here. Getting some themes here. Warren Bucket cards, 96 basketball rookie class. Midlife crisis cards. For me, it was when I really got back into sports. So 9093, bring back memories. Brian Reynolds collectibles, 96. Volen NC cards, 98. No question. Gunther cards, 2002. There are so many different ways to do the hobby. There are so many different years, so many different sports. But I love coming together as a community. Talk about it. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. More stacking slabs on Friday. Chris, card ladder team, we're going to get into it. Peace out. Take care. Have a hell of a week.